Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you love meat, you find a way to take it with you everywhere you go, especially when it comes to getting outdoors. That's why Smithfield has so many high-quality, delicious meats that are perfect for any outdoor adventure. Whether the park you're headed to is a national park or just the one down the street, like Smithfield marinated roasted garlic and cracked black pepper fresh pork tenderloin, expertly seasoned for on-the-go flavor, or prime fresh smoked ham that'll have you building on-the-go sandwiches packed with flavor. Smithfield Extra Meaty Back Ribs bring hand-selected perfection to the backyard, and Smithfield Anytime Favorites will help you take the ham you savor to the places you love. From diced ham that'll turn any picnic into an outdoor feast, to hickory smoked boneless ham steaks that are the perfect cap to any hike. The great outdoors just got greater with Smithfield. For the love of meat. I'm of the firm belief that experience is often the best teacher. This was never proven more true to me than on my first backcountry elk hunt. I've been training for my whole life, so of course I'll be fine, right? Uh, wrong. It was a truly sobering experience that left me feeling like I was in the worst shape of my life, when by all other metrics I wasn't. The requirements and physical demands of the backcountry hunter are not only wildly impressive, but overlooked by many in the fitness world. My guest today saw that gap and jumped in several years ago and hasn't looked back since. Dustin Diefenderfer is the founder and creator of Mountain Tough Fitness, an online-based training platform to guide a hunter through basically every phase of training throughout a year to build to that peak performance week or multiple weeks in the fall. In this episode, we have a great conversation about the demands of backcountry hunters, exercises that have the most bang for buck, Dustin's ultramarathon days, the development of Mountain Tough, we tell some great hunting stories, and there's a ton more. So throw on your pack, go for a hike, and enjoy this episode of the Nomad Strength Show. All right, everybody, welcome back. We're live, Nomad Strength Show. I'm joined today by my friend Dustin Diefenderfer. Set nailed it first time. <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> uh, Dustin is the uh, creator, founder of Mountain Tough. And we're going to talk a lot about that because uh, I have been aware of what you guys have been doing for a little while, uh, but we got to meet and hang out uh, quite a bit at Winter Strong a few weeks back, which was awesome. It was your guys' first time uh, down there getting to experience everything. So I want to hear about that too. Uh, but we got to hang out quite a bit. Like you you and uh, Weston were probably two of the guys that I ended up hanging out with quite a bit more than most other people that weekend, which was fun. And we had... Uh, airport and and driving <laughs> stories and early mornings and stuff but uh thanks for making time man i'm excited to catch up and dive into some stuff thank you man yeah i'm, I'm stoked and appreciate the opportunity and yeah winter strong was a blast it was so much fun 
Well, let's talk about that. So you guys did a, um, you guys had one of the breakout sessions, so to speak, on the on the first day leading a workout and doing kind of like a little panel before that, which was pretty cool. Just talking about carryover between, uh, you know, tra- training and then, you know, you guys are based out of Bozeman, so your yeah. primary deal is is Western hunting, backcountry, that kind of stuff. Where we're down in South Carolina at Winter Strong, and yeah. very small percentage of the people that are there like that's what they're used to like yeah. most of the most of the crowd down there is used to the southern style whitetail turkey tree stands sitting for long periods of time so it was kind of a cool juxtaposition to be able to talk training and how that is really kind of in that room there's a lot of like crazy athletes high performers so hearing you have to train for a western hunt like you would train for <laughs> a sport in season out of season all of these phases of training like that was I think probably pretty eye-opening for a lot of people. That was super awesome. I think one of the things Bert asked us to do when we came down for Winter Strong this year was just to lead a short, simple workout that gave the audience a little bit more understanding on what Mountain Tough does and a little bit more of an understanding of the volume required for training for the backcountry. Yes. But I saw the same thing, like, cause that was our first year. So when I got there, you look around and there's, there's a lot of D1 strength coaches. There's a lot of D1 athletes. There's a lot of professional athletes. Yeah. (laughs) World champions and various different things. And then you get to all the military guys, which are like some of the most beastly, like literal killer type dudes that exist on the planet. Like it's a pretty ridiculous group of people. Yeah, it's a it's a lot of beasts, and so what what I felt confident in though, which is kind of crazy because we've seen it a few times, is a lot of really amazing world class athletes struggle with the high volume of like uh, lunges, for example, like high volume even body weight lunges are are gonna just are gonna be really hard for people that are doing traditional strength training but that but that high volume is essentially what the backcountry is throwing at you so uh, we we just put together like a team-based body weight workout that you know you had a you had to work with your team you had to communicate with your team and then you had to kind of lead your team and then we put a surprise finish on the end and it was super fun yeah, it was awesome, and the uh, the workout itself was great. But I, and like I said, the the concepts around training for what you know specifically Western style hunts, because you know, like I said, you know, like I'm in Idaho, you guys are in Bozeman, and so that's what that's that's what's around here. Like that's what yeah. is. I mean, there's you you could probably and and I would I would imagine like turkey hunting would probably be like the closest that anybody out west would experience to what is a lot of hunting styles down in like the south and the east and the midwest yeah you know where it's a lot of sitting you know because you you, that's that's a lot of turkey hunting just in general but for just terrain purposes you mentioned things like lunges and that's like my my jam yeah and it's like high volume lunges and 400 800 meters at a time those kind of things and i've and actually was um, I was I was talking to uh, Corey Gregory, who's power power lifter, uh, fitness entrepreneur guy, started Muscle Farm, uh, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And he kind of 
got me into the super high volume lunges like years ago. And yeah. I was talking to him on the show uh, recently and I told him, I was like, dude, I, I, I started hunting kind of later on in life after I had made training like a part of what I love and what I do. And I see a lot of guys that like you guys do a lot of pack stuff, a lot of step ups, a lot of, uh, you know, even stair climber based stuff, but things that are attempting to simulate hiking. Right. And I told him like, dude, all of that is great and it all works, but I have not seen anything that has the same amount of carryover as just doing crazy volume of even just body weight lunges as it relates from that to hiking miles and miles in the backcountry and stuff like when i when i'm leading into stuff i'll always throw a couple days two two three days a week usually of like 400 meters of lunges and if you do that for like a month your legs are freaking bricks man like it's you're not gonna have issues hiking a few extra miles you know what i mean for sure yeah i think that that's like that's one of the secret sauces is those uh, those high volume lunges and for 90% 90% of the population, it, it's way more than they would ever even consider doing. Oh, yeah. Even people with, with vast exercise science experience are like, dude, I'm not doing 800 lunges. That seems ridiculous. But <laughs> yeah. And but it, it is, but it yeah. still works. <laughs> it, yeah. I think, I think it, it makes more sense when you think about like, if you just go on like a three-hour hike in the backcountry of Idaho or Montana the volume of lunges you're kind of doing it in the real world in the backcountry is going to be much more than that. And so, yeah, yeah, I exactly. Getting your legs used to that volume is, is awesome. So let's, let's get into mountain tough specifically. Cause I, I want to hear the story of, of how it all began. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a crazy journey. It's been wild, man. We, I started mountain tough in 2016 and I had a couple just events going on that led to the light bulb moment for me to start Mountain Tough. And one of them, one of the major events was I grew up in Montana. Our family was passionate backcountry elk hunters. And my dad has seven brothers. So we hunted all the time with our uncles yeah. all over uh, Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, and archery elk was kind of our family's thing. And so I got into college with all that kind of childhood experience of bow hunting elk. And in college, I really started hitting the gym hard training for elk hunting. So like all I thought about was elk hunting, all I trained for was elk hunting. and really became like a a gym rat in college focused on training for the mountains. And then what happened that kind of led to the mountain tough creation was I met my wife in college and she was a super passionate runner. Mm. And so the, the running started coming in because of her. And so then we started doing a lot of marathons and then we started dabbling in like the ultra marathons. And so I was still hunting a lot and I was still hitting the gym a lot. But then we went through we went through this real heavy running season. We ended up doing a marathon a month for a year. And then we went right into these 50Ks in the mountains. And the 50Ks 
are like in the Bozeman, Idaho, Montana area. And a lot of times the 50Ks are in the same mountains you're going to be hunting later that year. Sure. And so at first I thought, man, this is, there's no better way to train for elk hunting than to run through the mountains you're going to be hunting in in like two or three more months. And it, in one aspect, that's really true because you, if you do a lot of ultras in the mountains, you are just kind of lean and mean and fast and you can just fly through the backcountry. So I was super excited just because you're so like nimble and agile in the backcountry. You can really cruise around. Yeah. And so I went into that next hunting season that fall after all that running experience had kind of built up and I did kill a bull that fall, fall and when it came time to pack that bull out, like all that heavy pack uh, strength was gone. And it was like mm. one of the, it was like one of the worst pack outs of my life. And so that was like one of those epiphany moments of like, man, this is crazy. Like I did all these runs this year to get ready for the backcountry, and I was ready, but I wasn't prepared for like the most important part, which is right. like getting that animal off the mountain. And so that led to this idea that in 2016, no one was training anyone specific for the mission of backcountry hunting. No one yeah. was tra like training for that job and every other professional agency, sport, military in the world, they break down like, what are the skill requirements to do this job really well? And then how do we train for those skill requirements? And no one was doing that for the backcountry hunter. And so that got me super excited because the, like a do it yourself backcountry hunter is a super unique athlete. Yeah, because, you know, one reason they're they're very unique is the sport is really long. And so like a lot of the hunts are going to be you know, three, five, seven days. Right. And then you you need to perform after the mountains beat you down for five days. So like day six or seven might be the best hunting days, but you've already been beaten up by the mountain for five days. So one thing that makes that super cool is like like a you know a marathon's a few hours uh 50k's a few hours so that uh, an ironman is a day so there's not many athletes that have that kind of event that could that can be a week of the multi-day or you know a week plus long event quote unquote yeah 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 so you know the closest one is the military athlete but then even then, when you break down like the skill requirements of a hunter, the thing that makes them like no one else in the world, especially a, especially kind of a do-it-yourself backcountry guy, is the heavy packs. And yeah. so like on an elk hunt, if you have one buddy or if you're hunting alone, you're, you're going to end up with probably four 100-pound packs. So you're going to have to get 100 pounds off that mountain four times if you're alone and if covering that's probably long i mean long distances each time i think that i think that's something that a lot of a lot of people who haven't done it don't think about a lot it's like especially if new people to elk hunting like you get one down great 
we'll have to carry it out. It's going to suck. But most of the time, you got to go back and yeah. get the rest of it. And sometimes multiple times. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's not, that's obviously not always the case for like goats, mule deer, yep. um, sheep. But when it comes to elk, you're going to have to go back for more meat. Yep. And a lot of times that's like maybe it's seven miles from the truck. So you're coming seven miles out, going seven miles in, coming seven miles out. So you can end up with 30, 40 miles with half of those being under the load of a hundred pound pack pretty easy. And there's no other, there's no other athlete in the world that's really experiencing that kind of impact on their body for yeah. that long of times so that yep. that makes it a really like fun project from the science perspective yeah it's a cool it's a cool thing to think about too when it comes to how you plan for that because there is a degree to which you can prepare obviously and that's what it is that you do but there's still that level of there's there's no way to actually know until you have to go through it because then you realize where where was I missing what like what was I missing before like exactly what you experienced that first year after mm-hmm. doing all the running and you're like man I thought I was gonna nail this and there's something missing now yeah. right but and so you can you know, like you guys can follow your programs and you obviously be in you know as best shape as you can be in to prepare for that moment but mm-hmm. even still if you've yeah. never done it and you get back there you just don't know. And yeah. so you're like, man, I should definitely make sure I pay attention more to this thing or or whatever it is the next go around. So it's it's really a we can we, you can talk about it, you can train for it and all that stuff. But getting up there and experiencing it, like especially if you have to go, like you said, multiple times out and back, half of which are under anywhere from 80, 80 to 110 ish pounds. Right. Like yeah. in that in that range, that's just a totally different thing that you don't prepare for that specifically. You yeah. know what I mean? It's for crazy. sure. It's crazy. Yeah. It's super cool. I mean, even at Winter Strong during that panel, Alex was talking a lot about that who works for Sorenex. Yeah. So he got to go on that Colorado archery hunt last year and did yeah. a t- and did a ton of training for that trip and still ran into some really 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 hard experiences and even he even briefly talked about like he was he was doing quite a bit of volume he was doing um a lot of step ups a lot of sled but the thing that we talked about during that panel was like the the shank the lower part of your leg where it's like calf shin shin splints ankle 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 mobility yep like you can train a you can train a lot in the gym but you're still not getting that uneven terrain and the slippery rocks and yep. that the backcountry is going to throw at you so it, i think you're spot on that until you experience it you don't really know exactly where your weaknesses are and, and they're going to be revealed under that kind of duration yeah and the thing that uh that was interesting that Alex had talked about was one of the things that really got him was the elevation. Mm-hmm. Like, cause I mean, he's in South Carolina all yeah. year long. Right. So training at 200 feet above sea level where they are in, in Columbia. Right. And then yeah. go up to Colorado and he's like, we start at like 7,800 feet and yeah. like, you know, yeah. and we camp at 10,000. And so yeah. it's like, that's a, I mean, that's a, and that's really something that, 
you know, there are there are breath protocols that you can do to like do some hypoxic type of training to simulate, but that's one thing that I always thought would be incredibly difficult to to plan for. Oh, is man. is that because there's just the obviously the mental side of that, like it's you breathe differently. Yeah. And that's and that's really hard to plan for or replicate in training. I know. Yeah, the elevation stuff is wild. And we did a bunch of we spent a lot of time in 2019 like researching as much elevation stuff as mm-hmm. we possibly could and you know there there used to be the trend of like all the masks and then the like yep. the breath the breath restriction and the, yep. like every scientific case study we found could not prove that there was any validity in those working at all yeah from our perspective and then we just the only science we found that works is going into the elevation in the best possible shape you can be yeah. so so that you're at least operating sub-maximal so that when you are hiking into your hunting spot coming from zero to 7,000, at least you're not redlining on that hike right. in. And then... You're le- you'd be less affected by it, essentially, if you come in in, yeah. in peak shape versus like coming in when you really yeah. didn't pay that much to like there's all and there, that happens all the time i mean guys will come out west and not really train for it and not know what they're expecting and oftentimes like the elevation can be just what ends a trip super early yeah. too because they have yeah. no idea how to even function in in that environment yeah for sure yeah i think getting there a few days early seems to help alex talked a little yeah. bit in that panel just at least give your body two or three days to adapt if you can, which is hard to do. Like everyone's cutting these trips pretty tight, but yeah, that would can't always, can't always spend 11 days back somewhere. Like most, most people can't, you know, go off and take anywhere from a week to two weeks for one elk hunt, you know, in consecutively, they can stretch that out over five trips of two, two to three weekends or whatever. Uh, a piece, but it's hard to acclimate, especially if you're traveling across the country. Like you can't do that multiple times a season. You know what yeah, I mean? So it sure. becomes it becomes a really different, a difficult thing. One of the things, and I and I'm curious if you guys have have looked into this at all, relating to a lot of this uh, this elevation, this hypoxic work. I've I've been really into a lot of the breathing protocol stuff for like eight eight nine years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, was when I started. The, the very first thing was like most people with a Wim Hof style stuff, but that was back in 2014 when I started messing around mm-hmm. with it because I, I heard him for the first time on uh, Tim Ferriss's podcast, the very first yeah. time he was on. So I started messing with it and been coaching and doing it with it ever since. But one of the things that from a conditioning standpoint that I have worked into the stuff that I coach with is just the nasal breathing aspect of things Mm -hmm. and bringing everything back and going full nasal in and out, basically like in gears, right? Mm -hmm. So like you do it as long as you possibly can until you have to default to like exhaling out the mouth, right? Mm -hmm. Or, and then you go inhale through the mouth, exhale out the mouth. Like there's, there's levels to it instead of I'm a hundred yards up and on my first hike of the morning and I'm already going, <laughs> yeah, right. Like I'm, yeah. and I'm tanking myself at that point. And when I started hunting, I'd already been doing this for a couple years. And that was one of the first things I wanted to make sure I paid attention to as I'm hiking. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to stay nose only 
as long as I can. And I went way farther than I thought I would. Dang. And and I, I mean, like, relative to the, what was left of the hike, I mean, I, I ended up getting pretty gassed because it was a super steep hike that first time. But I remember thinking, like, I don't feel as conditioned gassed as I, as my buddy who's next to me, who's still in good shape, but he's just everything in and out of his mouth. I'm like, maybe there's, maybe there's something to this. And so every year, like I'm always, my, 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 my goal when I step on, uh, when I step on the mountain on the trail that first time is stay through my nose as long as I can wait till I absolutely have to do something else about it. And then when I shift, it's easier to transition from, uh, that, that stage of essentially heart rate variability. Right. Yeah. And, and it's a super interesting thing. I didn't know if you guys had messed with that at all or had seen anything about that, but it's been kind of crazy to, and fun to see like how that actually affected how I was hiking up and down stuff. Are you still, are you practicing with that in the gym during yeah. the training? Yeah. So most of the time, uh, and, and I treat it like a gear system as well. And that, that kind of concept came from, uh, Brian McKenzie who mm-hmm. did the original was CrossFit endurance and then did power speed endurance. Like it's changed names several times, but he was the one who uh, he held a, a a coaching certification course called Art yeah. of Breath, Art of Breath that I took several years back. And uh, so he talks a lot about like if you're brand new to it, ease in by like just doing your warm up, nasal only. Mm-hmm. Like see, and, and it'll force you to slow down because it's yeah. you're 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 positionally gonna be like. So it's it's really interesting. I'm gonna back up. Yeah, because the the mechanics of body movement are very influenced by like your breathing mechanics. Yeah. Right. So like if I'm hunched over like this doing a squat, like it's really hard to take a full breath in, right? But if I force myself to breathe through my nose and take a full breath, I automatically like have better posture. Posture up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so one of the things that we've been like implementing through what I do personally, and then with even my coaching guys, is like if you've never done any of this, warm up only, nasal only and then as you get better at it we'll start working it in this sort of gear system right into yeah into our training session where it's like we're going to go as long as i can smooth in smooth out through the nose and then when i have to it's smooth in through the nose out through the mouth and then and then we just cycle through these gears but it takes time to acclimate to that because you're essentially retraining your body how to move oxygen which is crazy like most people are like yeah, I mean, I'm alive, so I must be breathing okay. Like, I've been doing it Dude. for 30-something years. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I just started reading a bunch about it this year, and I haven't experimented it in our lab. I haven't done many experiments in our lab yet on it, but the... I love that that's what the gym is called, by the way. Oh, man. <laughs> I love that. The, it's so much fun. <laughs> the research and development is so much fun. But the... The new literature on the breathing, like the oxygen advantage and some of that stuff through yeah, the nose is book. is wild. Like the one thing that's blowing my mind is how most, at least what a lot of these new books and case studies are saying is that most other countries are breathing very well through their nose, but Americans are breathing majority through their mouth. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, how did that happen? How did we screw this up? Right. It's... It- and then I don't, and it's one of those things just like I don't know if there's one point where it's like something happened here yeah and then we went this way and everybody else just kept going on the same thing or if, I'm, I'm sure a lot of it had to do with just 
general lifestyle stuff and then people getting increasingly obese and now they're in crappy positions to breathe and you yeah. know what I mean it's I'm sure that's a big part of it and just high stress lifestyles right you're breathing shorter you're kind of just always stressed and like in this raised shoulder flexed like tense yeah. kind of position all the time when like you go to some eastern countries or whatever they're like the most relaxed dudes ever they take Chilled like out. they take like four breaths a minute <laughs> right and we're taking yeah. like 14 or 15 breaths a minute and crazy it's, it's really interesting to to look at just culturally the differences yeah. in there and there's i mean people have been practicing uh movement and breath stuff as long as humans have been around yeah you know, to some degree so it's kind of fun to test this stuff in the environments that like we like to use and see how yeah. it makes any kind of difference if it does. And the nasal breathing for me anyways, has made like a, a pretty decent difference in how I it, endurance in the sense of it takes me longer to even get up to certain levels of, of heart rate where I need to transition into that mouth breathing to increase output. Right. Cause there is still like, there are still instances where that's going to be necessary. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, one of the points in that book, Oxygen Advantage, that blew my mind was, you know, he was arguing that most of the, the world record marathons that are getting won the majority of the time by people from Kenya, the Kenyans are running those world-breaking, uh, record-breaking events, breathing through their nose the entire time. I believe it, man. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> crazy, yeah. It, it's running funny. like well, five-minute miles for 26 miles yeah <laughs> like, it's yeah. crazy it's, it's wild nuts. so so let's talk about how the how mountain tough kind of we kind of veered off there which is fine i love yeah. that uh but br- let's bring it back and and how when you when you started mountain tough and things kind of got going what was the protocol and the process for what you wanted to build and then what were some of these like growing steps or, or different levels to it to get from that point to now you guys just moved into this unreal facility like massive space that's got all of your your training equipment and you guys do all your video and everything there as well so like take me through that that journey yeah it's been a wild journey and it's been a really kind of postcard like american dream bootstrap startup experience it's been it's kind of surreal now looking back at like everything that's happened mountain tough started with that idea that we talked about earlier that that no one was training for the skill requirements of the job of being a backcountry hunter and so that's what i set out to do but it started super scrappy so i actually i actually drew the logo for mountain tough the same current logo that we have now today i drew it on a napkin After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I first heard that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them and using their service, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. For anyone who hates their phone bill, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. I was hesitant about having to get a new phone and a new phone number, but with Mint, 
You can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone and your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or for a family, and at Mint, families start at two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and to get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com/waypoint. That is mintmobile.com/waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com/waypoint. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. And then my buddy Lyle turned it into an actual logo on his computer, mm-hmm. s- sent it back to me. I built a flyer and I hung it at the local bow shop in Bozeman, Big Sky Archery. And it nice. just, it's like the new logo on it. And it says like, I want to train backcountry hunters. Call me if you're interested. And it started with like three guys in the park behind my house. So we started <laughs> nice. in the park, yeah, which is pretty wild. So we were like doing lunges across the soccer field. And then those park, like the park training events just started growing really fast. With with Mountain Tough, it's always kind of felt like the market was sitting there waiting for a product like this to exist. Yeah. So the market always knew that they probably should be training specifically for this mission but there was there was no one that was kind of giving them the full package from start to finish right and and so they were kind of sitting there waiting for it to exist even on that that micro environment of at, for the first year it was just local like so it was just bozeman people it started in the park the park grew so we leased a gym and we went into um, a leased facility and that turned into Mountain Tough class. So then mm-hmm. I was running, I was running like a group of 20 in the morning and then a group of 20 at noon and then a group of 20 in the evening. Nice. And, which was so much fun. Like it was, it was so awesome to see. It was really amazing to see that kind of demand for, yeah. for like mountain training just in Bozeman exist and then after that is really when we started two things we started building the team in 2017 and then we started um, the project of getting everything online in 2017 so for building the team the one thing that we knew was that the backcountry hunter needs to be extremely mentally tough so for us like helping folks get stronger mentally we spend about as much time as that as we would helping someone get physically prepared for the backcountry sure because i think those i think the unknowns of the 
the mountain, it, like the weather and the extreme weather and the elevation and the, the long events and the multiple days, like the consistently successful backcountry hunters are some of the most mentally tough people in the world. And so For sure. um, we kind of built the team around that in 2017 and we uh, added some folks with the, the special forces backgrounds. And then uh, we added Jimmy, our head trainer, who was kind of a local legend in Bozeman and was helping people get ready for like Everest expeditions and stuff like that. Oh, wow. That. Okay. Yeah. And so we had the team and we had all of those athletes from the classes. And that's really when we said, like, we're not going to put anything online until that we have tested it thoroughly in the lab. So that was like one of our founding principles was we're going to thoroughly test every program in the lab from start to finish on real people that are doing real backcountry hunting. And once we're happy with that product, then it's going to go online. So the first, yeah. the first program we ever launched was Backcountry Hunter Preseason Prep. And it went, it wasn't in an app yet. It was just like in a, a Mountain Tough website where you bought that program and you accessed okay. it, you accessed it all through the web. Ebook and style kind of thing. Kind of ebook style. Yeah. yeah. So, um, it was video based. It, the first one was video based. Um, but like people would get there through their Safari browser on their phone and it worked pretty good. It worked pretty good, but it was only one program. That was it. It was backcountry yeah. hunter preseason prep, 16 weeks of training to get ready for a trip. So we wanted people to start in May and then they're going to be at like peak physical performance for September elk hunt. Yep. And that that was the same experience. That product just took off like the market was sitting there waiting for it. But it allowed us to like start reaching all these people from all over the world that were training for all of these different hunts. And that community just kept growing and growing and they started asking for other products so we were always kind of letting the market uh, pull us a little bit on what else they were looking for sure so then we went to postseason strength because hunters were coming off season like really skinny and really beat up so it was like yeah. let's pack let's pack a lot of strength in the winter and then get them ready in the spring and then that turned into like a backcountry hunter 12 month program. So now someone with gym equipment can train on Mountain Tough five days a week for 12 months, all based around the like August, September hunting season. And then we did a ton of minimal gear, body weight, no gear. And, and now in 2023, it's, it's pretty amazing to look back and see like, all the content that's in the app the big the big it's a lot there's there's a lot lot. yeah and i I got plugged into it uh i got on there uh right after winter strong after me and you guys i got in there and was looking around at it and and the cool thing is like you do these it's it's very video heavy like all Mm -hmm. that stuff because a lot of it is even what i imagine a ton of people love is just the like the follow along 
training sessions. Like you yeah. guys do a new one every single day during the week. That's like a, literally a new workout every day that you, if you have a TV and your stuff in your garage or whatever, literally just follow along with what's on the screen. And it's such a cool, and you got, and, and there's like the Apple TV app. So it's like yeah. literally TV friendly, you know, you don't yeah. have to, I mean, it's, it, there's a lot of, a lot of high level production in it at this point, which is pretty cool to see. It's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a big like um, difference in the app between self guided programs and coach. So like a self guided would be like a strength day where you have equipment. Um, it's like here's what we want you to do, and then you go do it. Right. But, but like like fifty percent of our athletes prefer the coached, yeah. and that's like in the app they just hit play and they're just following along with us the whole time. And they can do all that with minimal gear, which is awesome because COVID created this huge shift where like 79% of people started training at home yep. during COVID, but then 71% of that 79% decided they were going to stay at home. So people got home, they're like, this home gym sweet. I don't have to drive. I don't have to travel. And so you have to listen to crappy music and a, yeah. a crappy lit building. Like, <laughs> yeah. I can be Just outside with, and listen to my own songs. Like. Yeah. 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 People love it. Like all yep. these basement garage gyms are sweet. Oh yeah. And so that, that coach minimal gear style is big right now. So when you guys are putting this together and it's, and it's getting to this point where you're, you're seeing like, okay, like we have a team of people here now we need to bring the, the production level of stuff up. I'm, I'm always fascinated by that part of it. Like, cause now you're shifting, like you're yeah. still a, you're still a training and coaching company, but now you're like a media company as well. Yeah. So yeah. that shift, how was that to, to get to that point for you guys? Yeah, it's been crazy. I think the, I, that gets me really excited being like a content production company Yeah. for, for one major reason, the that big shift happened when we switched to the app because when we switched to the app, it allowed us to switch to a subscription. And so, yep. so pre-app, people bought a program. Post-app, people are just mountain tough subscribers. Yep. And the, the one reason I love that is it allows us to deliver micro content. So before the app, like if we were gonna do R and D and build something, we needed to find a way to sell that program. Yeah. But now if like, now if we just want to film an awesome video on nasal breathing in the back country, we can do that and just give it to the audience and let them try it. Yeah. And let yep. them experience it. And so we, you are right. We've truly kind of transitioned to a content production organization which I, I love because I think like I really believe like human performance like we've, we've barely scratched the surface and there's different things that work for different people in different ways and so people need a lot of micro content they need to try like let's try this cold plunge protocol well maybe that worked for you but it didn't work for me let's try a lot of different nutrition and yeah. like so micro content I think is really important for Everyone has different needs. Everyone has different lifestyles. And so everyone can train in a slightly different way and, and reach the same goal. Was that something that you 
had any kind of knowledge in as far as the media stuff? Was that something that you had any kind of know how to do? Or when you got to that point, you're like, I'm just going to bring in people. This is not my thing. Yeah, I, <laughs> I am not a media guy for sure. Okay. I, I, I am, my passion definitely like is in, um, brand. I love like, okay. like, like protecting the brand, but we lucked out man like it's crazy nate is our head content director and he has been with mountain tough since the very first day we did anything so that's awesome the very first workout we ever did um i had known nate and i asked him to come shoot photos just thinking we'd need like a couple for an instagram post but then he's just been he's just an amazing like creative genius he's amazing at like photo videography editing and yeah. so he, he's kind of yeah. just taken that whole whole thing and ran with it and so i think it is a lot of like finding really talented people and, and surrounding yourself with them yeah it's uh it makes a big difference because i mean i, mean, I still for the most part i'm a, I'm a one-man operation on most things i have a, a buddy that produces the podcast uh mm -hmm. which is incredibly nice that I don't have to do that because yeah. uh, he can he can do it in a, like 10% of the time than it would take me to do the same thing you know what I mean yeah. so yeah. it's like do and it's there I go back and forth because like it would be helpful to learn more about certain things but then also it's like or I can save myself a lot of time and get somebody who wants to do it and do it way better than I could anyways you yeah know? for sure I think that's a huge I think it like leveraging your time wisely and, and letting really talented people do what they're best at. Cause mm -hmm. that, I think that fills their cup and like, like you having to edit is probably going to drain your cup. Right. And I think paying attention to those things is super helpful for growth. So where are you guys now in terms of how many people are in the company? How many, how many guys do you have in working for you? So we're right around 11 now. So we're around nice. 11 people. Uh, we just moved into this new facility. So a new research and development facility for the mountain and military athlete in Bozeman, uh, right next door to Stone Glacier. And nice. We, we built it as a content production studio. So it's a 10,000 square foot building, but the whole... You know, the building is a main gym downstairs, a lot of like um, open space, open rubber and turf. And that's all kind of set up to be able to test and then film right on the gym floor. Yep. And then like the daily products are uh, being filmed downstairs in the studio every day now. So that's the workout that goes in the app every 24 hours and expires every 24 hours. But the uh, the business in terms of people has has grown a lot and it's been awesome. A lot of what we just talked about, just letting letting people that are really talented do what they're the best at. So we have uh, you know a head of business development, Weston, who you met. We got a chief yep. operations officer. Um, we have Nate driving content, and then he has a videographer working with him now, and then. A lot of stuff as we matured, we have like 
a CFO, a chief financial officer. Yeah. Then Jimmy's still our head trainer, and then he's got Sarah working with him now. And so it's been it's been cool to watch the team grow um, through the years. Do you do any in-person anything anymore as far as coaching? Me, myself? Yeah, or you guys in general, like as a, as a company. Do you or the company do any in-person stuff anymore? We do. We do a lot. Um, and that's kind of important. At first, we were doing a ton of it, like a lot of in-person coaching and training. It was consuming like 10 or 11 hours of our day. And and then as the, as the app took off, we had to scale it back. Yeah. And we scaled it way back and we scaled it back a little too far. And so now I think we're in the perfect sweet spot because if you take away all training, you learn, you lose a lot of that experimentation that you need yeah. to, to make a really good product. And so now, um, now our model is we do personal training in the mornings before like eight thirty. So we're working with small groups of like one or two or three or just one-on-ones. Yeah. And so, um, Jimmy, Sarah are training like, uh, in the morning, 6.30, 7.30, 8.30. And that's been huge because that way they can work with one individual and be like, hey, this works really good for like a 50-year-old male. It is changing the game. Sure. Um, and we should probably think about incorporating that into a product someday. And Sarah's doing the same thing. And then in the afternoon, in the afternoon we have dedicated testing from three to five. And testing is always, uh, it's a program that's getting ready to go live in the app. Gotcha. So, so right now downstairs, they're testing the brand new preseason prep uh, for the Backcountry Hunter that we haven't refreshed since 2017. So this is oh, a big, nice. this is, this is like big, it's our flagship product. And so they got it all the way to where it's almost final. And now they're running. They're running eight athletes through the program from start to finish every afternoon from three to five, so that they can like put the final touches on that program. Yep. And it. And then in that testing hour, everyone is a either a beginner, uh, intermediate, or like an elite backcountry hunter. So they they're also going into the mountains like every weekend and being like, man, the program has me too sore here or the program has me feeling really good here so that we can get that real feedback incorporated into the program so a lot of the research and stuff comes from testing it on other people not just yourselves that are yeah that are there working on it yeah yeah a lot of in-person testing which is huge i mean it changes the game in terms of everyone like males react differently to females for different training protocols sometimes and, and then age groups and it's been a big, that's cool. helpful thing for us. That's cool, man. It's cool to see like the, the direction that it's going, having the level of production involved, it, but still having the focus on like, hey, we're still coaching and training. Like this is still about, mm-hmm. this is still the original thing is about getting super in shape and, and ready to go for the fall. Um, yeah. So I, I wanted to ask <clears throat> more so you personally, what is some of the, some of these things that you're doing 
training wise I know you you obviously would follow all of the things that you guys are doing mm-hmm. uh, but having done this for so long now what are some of those things that make like a big difference for you as you prepare for like your fall season where you're probably doing quite a bit of hunting is there any things that are kind of still moving the needle a little bit for you that you're experimenting on with yourself um yeah in the last couple years i've i've noticed a few key differentiators that i think are the first one's going to be you know super helpful for some people but hard for others and that that first one is just making sure that you're not always spending all your time in the gym Mm. and so i i can i can notice a big difference now if like obviously i'm following a mountain tough program in the gym most of the time five days a week but i can really tell the difference of in the mountains if i've spent way too much time in the gym now i think as versus like, just like getting out and hiking in the mountains you mean yeah like spending yeah. time on the trails and stuff yeah i yeah. think like if people can find a way to do that like all year once or twice a week it it, it seems to just completely change the game because i think like you got the weather you got are your clothes right is your pack fitting right and then you got i think so much of backcountry hunting is what we talked about at winter strong a little bit is like the shank of your leg and yeah like like your knee stability and your hip stability and your ankle stability on rough even terrain that's usually what what wears a lot of people out is that that single leg stability Yep. So, so I think just making sure you're getting outside uh, at least one day a week with some, even if it's like a 30 pound pack on your back and just cruising around, that makes a huge, huge difference. Um, and I think people can do that all over the country, regardless of where they're, they're at. I think it, a huge factor there is just that uneven train because the gym is always so balanced out Yeah. and, and you're on rubber or turf and, or a garage, like that uneven train is big. Well, and I think, too, the example of us being in, in South Carolina, where that would probably be something that came up for most people. It's like, well, we don't have mountains to go climb, you know, but it's like, but where we were even back in the woods where all those, all yeah. the trails and roads were all that sand. Yeah, like, do, that's it, perfect. Even if, even if there's no elevation loss and gain, just having a heavy pack on and then walking on sand or uneven surfaces is going to work a lot of that stuff that you're talking about in the lower leg, just with ankle and foot stability and mobility, all that stuff. So, I mean, it, it, yes, it doesn't necessarily have to be like, I'm going to go simulate a, the six and a half mile hike back into the backcountry. Like you can simulate some of the conditions of yeah. that though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a perfect example. Like that course we walked on for the winter strong, winter strong competition. If you were just if you were just rucking that course once a week and feeling that like sand and um, that instability, you'd be yeah. so much more prepared than if you were always in the gym, training really hard. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things again, and it's funny. I having on this show most guys are in the strength and health realm or the outdoors realm, right? Yeah. Excuse me. So there's a handful like yourself that kind of cross into both areas. Yeah. But one of the guys I had on a year ago, I'm sure you guys know him because he's up there and I'm pretty sure him and his wife both use your guys' program. I've seen a post about it, but Ryan Lampers um, had uh, had Ryan on and he's a 
he is unreal, man. Like he yeah. is a mountain goat of a mountain human. Goat. And yeah. I, I mean, and in his, I think he's in his like late forties, pushing fifty or something like that right now, and yeah. still like would hike pretty much anybody under the table. But when I was talking to him, he he always said like the best thing to simulate it is to just go do it. Like yeah. he's like you can train, and that's important for just strength development and joint health and stuff. But he's like. But to get ready to go do it, you have to be in the mountains to do it. And I'm yep. like, I get it. And there, and there's always some of these camps where it's funny. I bet, I bet you probably see it a lot where guys are – some guys are like, no, I can train and, and work hard and train and build up my conditioning and stuff. And I don't necessarily need to be up in the mountains to be fit. And yep. then there's the guys that are the complete opposite side where it's like, I just need to be in the mountains. I don't need to do anything in the gym. And yep. like where you're, you're kind of living in this middle ground where it's yep. like, no, we need both. But uh, it's always funny to see because, I mean, guys on both ends of that are, can still be super successful. So it's yep. like, well, at, you know, are we it's just a matter of where you lack. Are you lacking in something? Is it strength? Is it something like you noticed? Like I was really conditioned, but I wasn't as strong as I needed to be. So there are things that you can pull from both. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I love the middle ground because I think not everyone, it's very rare that someone can have as much time in their schedule to hike, like as much as Lampers has. Right. Like he's, he's very right. fortunate that that's his like career. But if you don't have that much flexibility, you can't spend that much time in the mountain. Everyone would love that. But I think even if you could do that, if you're not focused on a good balance like gym program, you're gonna start running into a lot of like injuries as you age. Sure. Like you might be lean and mean and just flying through the mountains because you do that all the time, but you are gonna experience some like like lack, like you're going to start losing muscle as you age, which is going to cause other issues in other areas of your life. And I think it's, I always think about it as like hunting, hunting is not the end game. Like there's so much more that like we should be training for. So like we should train so that we're doing really well in the backcountry, but like we also need to like come home and be super healthy with our families. And we need to come yeah. home from a hunt and not be, completely smoked so that we can't play with our kids and then we need to be prepared to like um we need to be prepared for like a tragedy or a car wreck or like hunting hunting is just a an awesome thing to train for but it's i think it's wiser to like look at our identity and who we are and, and train for like longevity which i think is hard to do if you're not spending any time in the gym yeah. So that middle ground is like a really nice sweet spot. Yeah, I agree, man. So I have two questions uh, that I like to ask all the all my hunter friends uh, yeah. when they come on the show. So first one is, what's your favorite hunt you've ever been on? And then the second one is, what's your dream hunt that you have yet to go on that is like your, this is the one I want to do the most? Oh, sweet. So favorite hunt I've ever been on, I'm gonna go with one that's fresh on my mind because it happened this past fall. Nice. Was um, I have two daughters. So I have an eight-year-old daughter and a 10-year-old daughter. And when I was a kid in Montana, you couldn't hunt till you were 12. 
and it was brutal waiting till you're like 12 to go hunting with yeah. your dad for the first time. Well, Montana passed this new thing two years ago where you can hunt with your dad when you're 10. And it was nice. awesome. So last year, I got to take my 10-year-old daughter out for her first mule deer hunt. And it was epic because she's super into it. My oldest daughter is kind of like outdoorsy. She's like yeah. super into like horses and stuff like that. Where my youngest daughter, I'm not sure if she'll ever want to hunt, but my oldest daughter <laughs> yeah. is like, she like loves shooting her bow, like talks about hunting all the time. So I was really excited. And then my dad came, which was awesome because there was three generations That's of cool. Diefenderfers out for their for her first hunt. And we did like this wall tent camp. And then the deer are, are still, they also, when they did that apprentice program, they started a youth season. So the kids can hunt earlier than anyone else. Okay. So we went and like all these monster bucks are out because it's, they're like the they still think it's like summer. They don't think it's right. hunting season yet. Yep. And so we were seeing like bigger bucks than you would normally see in Montana That's season, cool. like just out like cruising around. And then she had to do this like two hour stock and it took us like, we couldn't get her bipod qu quite right. And then we got it right. And then we couldn't get her to like see out of the scope. But then she could finally see. And so she made a perfect shot and it was just the coolest what That's I loved awesome. about, I loved it so much because I think as you get older, you you kind of start taking for granted how cool it is to just be out. Where like, as when you're a kid, when you watch a kid, all that stuff is still such like a huge adventure for them. Yeah. And so, so they kind of like, it was kind of a rejuvenating experience for me. It was really cool. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. What's it was what's awesome. the what's the dream hunt? Uh, I want to do uh, like Mongolia ibex with my bow. Ooh, yeah. Uh, nice. Since our lo the Mount Tough logo is an ibex, yeah, and it's um, it's like that Mongolian species, and there's very very few. I can't even like find many videos or content or articles at all of anyone who's done it archery. I'm sure they're, I'm sure it's oh, okay. happened, yeah. but it's like super rare um, to find a, like a documented archery hunt for like uh, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan or Mongolia Ibex. And so I'd really like to put something like that together. That's cool. That would be a fun one. That's one of those like once in a lifetime kind cool. of trips. Yeah. It'd be gnarly. Just the travel. And I think just like seeing those different cultures and mm -hmm. um, getting into that country would be awesome. That's a good one, man. Yeah. Awesome. Dude, well, thanks for making time, man. I was glad I was glad to catch up with you again and dive into some stuff. I really appreciate it. Uh, give everybody all the links and tell everybody where to follow you guys and check out all the programs and stuff. You bet. Yeah, so everything's just uh, easiest thing is mountaintough.com. So mountaintough.com, you'll see the click to start a free trial on the app, which is cool. All Mountain Toughers start on a 14-day free trial. So there's really no excuse. You can get in there, poke around for two weeks, and check out all the programs, all the content. And then Mountain Tough Fitness on Instagram. And then we have our podcast out now too the yeah you guys just dropped it on all the on the pod platforms i saw the other day 
Yeah, so that was cool. It used to be exclusive just in the app, yep. but we pushed all that out to the podcast stores last week, when, nice. so you can ch- check those out. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's cool. Awesome. Well, thanks again, man. We'll talk soon. Yeah, thanks, Ross. Appreciate you.